I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, hopefully my audio is okay today. Uh, new microphone, blah, blah, blah. Today, we I am joined by Steve W and Steve D. We have no idea where Zach is. Zach, come back to us. Come back to us, Zach. But today, we're going to start off with Steve W with the with the amazing uh, reception that the, that Steve D's game got last week. We're going to go with another game by Steve W this week. And oh my god, what are we doing today then? Yes. So one of our favourite things to talk about on the podcast is Kathy Woods' Archie Invest Firm and the crazy stuff that they're getting up to. So we generally combine a kind of deep-seated appreciation for what they do and the way they think about things with an equally deep kind of suspicion of them. And following on from the incredible success of You Suck at Chamath, I'm proud to present to you, is the Ark Sinking. Uh, we're also <laughs> the same as last week's game. This time I'll tell you an Ark ETF. You tell me how much you think it's down from its 52-week high by. Uh, 0.3%. Oh, Jesus. Um, Three points for within one. Uh, I'll keep scoring our virtual studio. Uh, anyone else, feel free to play along at home. So, uh, I take it you probably got the rules on this particular game. <laughs> Paul's definitely got them by the way he looks at things. So, let's go with... I'll, give you a, I'll help you out a little bit. I'll tell you the top five holdings in each of these so you can get a, a rough idea of what they're about. So, let's start with the ARK Innovation uh, ETF, which is ARK K. Its top five holdings are Tesla... Teladoc, Roku, Square, and Zoom. And that's true as of this morning, by the way. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, so how far do you think that's down from its 52-week high by... I'll give you a clue, because Steve gave us a clue last week. Obviously, these are not quite Chamath SPAC-type things. They have some kind of uh, fairly blue-chip established things built in there a little bit, which will reduce volatility. But they do make big moves in either direction. Over to you guys. So this is the Welcome whole ETF, or just <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, is the, the whole Arc ETF flagship? Then yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Arc it's not. It's not, it's not down by that much, is it? Not like Chamath level down. I don't think. I'm gonna go. All right. I'm gonna go. Seventeen percent, but I think I'm lowballing that. I really do think I'm lowballing that. I think you're lowballing it too. I think because I'm thinking Teladoc's probably down thirty-ish, and they've been buying that fairly heavy on the way down. I'm thinking Tesla's in the twenties. So I think I'm going to go down twenty-two percent. Twenty-two percent, seventeen percent, no score. Um. Arch K is off its 52-week high by 34.75%. Oh, yeah, um, it was either it was either that low <laughs> or that really high. Bristol was trying points for being two a factor of two out. <laughs> oh no, oh, no, <laughs> that's too I know. difficult for me to keep score on. Uh, okay, so the next one is Arc Q, which is autonomous tech and robotics. Biggest holdings here are Tesla again, uh, famous robotics company JD.com, uh, Trimble. Kratos Defense and Security and Alphabet. How far off its fifty-two week high? Well, I'll go first then. Go on. I I think Alphabet is obviously has probably appreciated over this period. So Trimble is three D printing, I believe, and that's probably Mm -hmm. been battered. Tesla battered. JD.com. I don't know how badly that's been. been What was the other one I'm missing? Uh, Kratos Defense and Security. Ah, okay, drones. Um, <laughs> oh, I bet there's quite a bit. I, I'm going to go down 38%. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to go down 28%. Right on Tesla. Okay, 38 and 28. 
I'm starting to wonder whether it's a failing of the game if nobody scores any points at all in this particular <laughs> version of things. Uh, again, no score. Um, this one is down by 23.8%, so oh, actually much less than the kind of innovation ETF. You pointed out that Google there will be helping it along a little bit over the kind of um, 52-week high. But never mind, let's try again. Uh, ArcW, <laughs> which is next generation internet. Uh, the biggest holding in, Arc, in ArcW is the famous internet company Tesla. Um, the second biggest <laughs> holding is Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Third is Shopify. Fourth is uh, Steve D. favorite Teladoc. And fifth is nobody's favorite Twitter. Okay. But Twitter's done really Paul well, is going right? First. Paul is. Twi- it'll, be, it'll be me first. So uh, Twitter's done. Mm. Well, Twitter's just flat, really, isn't it? Uh, is Salesforce in that one? Is Salesforce in that one? Because. Probably in there somewhere. Um, it's not in the top five. Yeah. I couldn't I'm surprised that. it's not very high. I'm surprised that's not very high. Um, okay. I'm going to go same again. 28%. Okay. You see, I was thinking a little bit, but a little bit more than that. But now you've sort hmm. of like, you know, I've, I've overshot, I think, both, haven't I? So, um, I, I'm, I'm going to play cheeky and go 29%. Oh, then, oh. okay. This is a point. Who gets it either way? This this one is a point. Who gets it either way? Uh, not within so you three. Want a point for whoever's closer. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not within good, three. Because if we were playing within three, Steve D would have missed it by point seven two of a percent. Ah, thirty-two point seven two percent down. Yeah. See, I was uh, going to go for thirty-two percent, and I thought oh, I was no. I was willing you towards thirty-two percent, but unfortunately, mm. no. Uh, but okay, have yourself a point for getting closer because I'm worried we're going to run out of ETFs. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's try Arc G, the one everyone likes, the genomic revolution one. Uh, largest yeah. holding, Steve D. Favorite, I think one of yours uh, favorites as well, Paul Teladoc, uh, followed by Exact Sciences, followed by Regeneron. Followed by a company I think all three of us probably admire, certainly Paul and I do, Novartis, and then Vertex. That feels pretty flat, yeah. I'm thinking. There's a couple there that I think will be down mm. quite a bit. I think Exact, I think Teladoc, probably 30%, but the other three might be fairly flat. So I'm thinking this one's probably not as badly hit as others, so I'm going to go down 18%. Mm-hmm. You know what? I didn't think that those were the top holdings of this ETF. I thought they were Maybe. all the random ones, you know, like 10x Genomics and Invitae and, uh, and yeah, all the all those CRISPR, CRISPR Therapeutics. Yeah, so I thought though the top holdings weren't that, but yeah, Novartis is is a, is a big one. That's just been flat. Regeneron, I think, has been flat as well. I'm still going to go high, though, because he went low. So I'm going to go 32%. I think they all are around 30%-ish, if I remember. Uh, whether we're playing whoever's closer or within three, uh, Paul is the first person to get himself within 3% of one of these things. <laughs> uh, it is down 33.51%. Uh, with the demise of CRISPR and other such things. Well, I say demise. I think they're down a fair bit recently. I've stopped paying attention, hmm. but... Uh, okay, um, we have two to go, so there's a chance for someone to forge ahead here, but let's try Arc F, Fintech Innovation. Um, this one probably has things that you were expecting to see. Uh, Square, yeah. Shopify, Zillow, PayPal, and uh, me and Steve D favourite, C Limited. Hmm. SEA, not C. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be, this is probably doing fairly okay out the batch i think i i think c is down a little bit i think square what do you call fairly okay <laughs> well compared to my portfolio <laughs> um, yeah i think this one's i'm gonna go for down 25 percent okay oh i got a nod yeah. and an okay then yeah, I'm going to go 26 percent because i know it's going to be close it's going to be near the 30 mark <laughs> Okay, how do you want me to score this? Do you want a point for whoever's closer, or do you want points for within three? Is someone closer? closer? Well, yes, because you picked different numbers. Oh, sorry, the other, <laughs> the other one around. The other one. Um, 
I meant the other way around. Uh, it's some, someone, it's within, someone three. within three. Yeah. It's someone yes. within ten. <laughs> yes, there is at least someone within three. I mean, your numbers are quite close uh, together. There's a chance you might both be within three. That's Go within three, then. Go within three. Okay, we'll, okay we'll point each. It. Uh, it's down 28. Which brings us I, to the I decider. Did, uh, I did think this about this game was that if one chooses one way and one chooses the other, you've got a pretty good chance of both getting a point. <laughs> I did think that. It's a good strategy on this game. Uh, but, uh, let, so you're going it's first not within this time, the, then. <laughs> Go on, uh, what's the last it's, one? Uh, space ETF. You know oh, the last space. One is, it's the big one, the decider that we talked about. Yes, it's uh, the space ETF Arc X. And just to remind you on this one, this ETF is only about six weeks old. So uh, it hasn't had as much time to have a big run up or a big run down. You're measuring the distance okay. from its 52 week high. Um, uh, its biggest holdings are Trimble, the 3D printing company. JD.com, notable space exploration company, uh, Kratos Defense and Security again, and L3 Harris. Oh, so not much. I'm going to go 16% then. Not 16%. much. 16%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of putting <laughs> yeah. that out there. It's not had time to lose 30 odd yet, is it? <laughs> so this is a tiebreaker, isn't it, to all? So this is closest wins, isn't it? Whoa, so I, suppose we should say closest, I suppose we should say closest wins, yes. Yeah, I'm going to go down okay. 19%. Ooh, you went higher. Oh, I didn't expect yeah, to Yeah, you went higher. for a bigger loss, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. this one's only down 7 and a bit percent, uh, making oh, it by far yeah. the most successful ETF off its 52-week high. I mean, it's the others have done well apart from that and so on. But uh, that makes it, uh, with some slightly generous scoring, when you didn't get that near to some of them, <laughs> Uh, three two to Paul on this occasion. Um, Paul wins again. You won both of them now. Second week in a row, baby. Yeah, this, this strategic <laughs> gameplay thing. We're gonna have to find a new game so you don't just pick next to each other's things. Uh, but yeah, it looks like kind of some of those ones that have Tesla in them are getting hit a little bit. Just an observation. Yeah, yeah. And is it gonna get hit any further? That's the question now because. Um, so the biggest news of the day, probably other than AT&T, would be that Scion Capital, Michael Burry's ETF, has decided to short about 800,000 shares, I guess, of Tesla. Uh, I don't, no one knows the actual price or the strike price of the puts, right? Uh, unless anyone's seen it. I, I know there's a lot of argument over that at the minute. Uh, but um, tell me. Tell me what's happened in Michael Burry's ETF and is it a good idea? I think it is a good idea. He's winning, I think. I mean, bearing in mind, so we're looking at 13Fs and getting this kind of information from here. And the biggest thing that appeared in the Scion ETF, uh, sorry, ETF 13F um, recently was a lot of Tesla puts. But that ETF is dated from the end of March, I think. Um, hmm. So it's the end of Q1. So you're looking at what Tesla's done between then and now at least to get you started i mean he may or may not still have the puts he might have moved them on they might have expired uh he might have cashed them and so on and so forth but at the end of um march tesla was trading at 661 when i looked earlier today this is not live uh at the moment it was at 576 uh that's a sign he's been doing all right until that point at least and whether he still has them i don't know but there's someone at least who has been in a position to do pretty well by shorting tesla i think but he's he's, he's going for the big one though, any? He? He's going for the big one, isn't he? The, he doesn't go he doesn't go small. He does trade a bit like he did with GameStop, but he's going for the big win here. Does this mean he Michael Burry, who, as we all know, he made his big money uh, shorting the housing crisis. That that seems to be all that he's famous for, and since then, he hasn't really his biggest thing that i've heard of since then would be that he missed gamestop that that would be the the biggest thing that i know of him since then and obviously he's been calling for inflation and and all sorts of things since um since the stimulus what do we think his chances of seeing a big win off tesla puts are going to be what what do you think his chances are they're strong, I think. Um, he, he's he's gunning for you know movie number two. Um, I think um, we we've sort of long known that when stocks 
run up as rampantly as Tesla did last year, especially when there's a lot of liquidity in the markets and there's a lot of people with a lot of time to buy things in the market and talk about the markets. Stocks do tend to run up and Tesla was sort of like beneficiary number one from that. Um, And we've seen it a lot of times that these stocks either trade sideways or come down to earth after uh, after having a run like that. Now Tesla's not coming down to earth, and we don't know where the top is either. It's worth saying. Um, but if this is the top, and Tesla does come back down to earth, then then Burry's gonna gonna make Scion Capital and its uh, its shareholders a hell of a lot of money. Mm. Could lose a lot of money though, also because I believe it became the puts have become forty percent of the entire portfolio. Yep at the moment that's a lot that's that's a lot to bet on first of all going against elon musk who does that why would you go bet against elon musk really second of all so many that tesla has left so many shorters in ruins over the past you know two years it seems like such a silly risk and i'm i'm probably of a similar opinion that i don't think tesla's tesla's price is going to go higher as such i think i'm more of the opinion that we will see a sort of sideways movement over the next x amount of years that's that's my most realistic prediction of what that would be because i consider it versus it's um because it's moved out of its price to sales ratio metric now and it's more into its price operating cash flow or uh price to ebitda or something like that that you would prefer to measure it against with its with its now being its exponential growth phase rather than its startup phase i know that's you probably you guys probably just think of that as totally um totally poppycock let's use the word poppycock i was gonna say something else but i'm trying to clean my mouth up a little bit (laughs) um but uh what do you really think this, what uh, go on give me a price what do you think it's going to come down to where could you think where do you think it could go how far i think that's impossible to really to really know i know where i think it should be in my head and it's about half the price where it is now and probably a little bit more um but i've I don't value the other aspects of the business that don't exist at the moment. I know people keep telling me there are elements that are coming, um, but I prefer with Tesla being at such a valuation as it is to see see them here rather than think they're coming. I think at a 20 billion company, you can look at that and say, I think I can see that being 120 billion if this happens. At a five hundred billion pound company or whatever Tesla is at the moment, you can't really rely on stuff that doesn't exist yet, or stuff that isn't regulated yet, or stuff that still has to go through, you know, all sorts of government uh, restrictions. And and they're an odd bunch. They're not just going to pass it because it's Tesla and Elon, and because the people want that to happen. They'll they'll want to know the far end of a fart. Yeah, I mean. It's more the opposite of that, to be honest. Elon doesn't have a good record with regulators or anything like that. He calls them stupid and spits in their eye and stuff. And he may be right, but you generally don't get favours off people when you do that kind of thing with them. I mean, the general message I have with Tesla is that I agree with Steve at the moment, but I seem to worry... I worry for myself a little bit in the sense that I sort of think I get so far dug in on the side that Tesla is overpriced, uh, basically. And I worry that as that business develops... I need to make sure I stay kind of um, flexible enough and receptive enough to see that, okay, things are moving forward. Um, things are taking shape. The kind of promises, promises, promises that we don't really want to pay for are starting to turn into tangible things. And if I've got myself stuck in a mindset of forever thinking that Tesla is overpriced at any price whatsoever, that's going to be bad for me uh, in a certain way. So I agree with Steve, but I agree with Steve because of what he's saying now. And that's the reason he's saying it, right? I mean, he's not saying it will be overpriced forever and it will never be a good buy and they will never achieve the things that they want to and the things that they want to achieve won't be worth it. Um, But I take his point that I'm not particularly in the business of thinking I can price this particularly accurately given Mm. all the kind of uncertainty around it. I wouldn't short it either, by the way, which is why I'm fascinated that um, Michael Burry is. 
anyone can see that it's currently overvalued. Nearly everyone thinks it's currently overvalued. But as you pointed out, Paul, people have been getting cut in half by um, shorting things just because they're overvalued. You, if you're going to short something, especially with a put option, you need some reason for thinking that price is going somewhere by the time of the expiry on your put option. And historically, actually, Burry's not that great at timing these things. I mean, he nearly destroyed his company shorting the housing market because the housing crash didn't happen fast enough. If it had been another couple of months, his company would have been done. Uh, and as it was, it came up huge, right? But he was paying out premiums on swaps for ages and ages and ages and ages and burning through all hmm. of Scion's liquidity, which makes me kind of think in this situation, wow, you better be confident, not just that Tesla is overpriced or that it's coming down at some point. If you're doing this via put options, you better have a pretty good idea of when it's coming down as well, which is... Ah, uh, brave to my mind. I'm not saying he can't do it. I wouldn't bet against him, but it's it's really brave, I think. I think one of the things to sort of note is that it is actually a reduced size portfolio as well on uh, Cyan at the moment because they did pay quite a large amount back to shareholders last year. So this isn't the whole Cyan, you know, it's not 40% of the whole Cyan catalog because they gave a large amount back. It's just 40% of what's left. So, you know, this might be his... This might be a swan song, you know. He might he, he might win this and and go off to make short two, big short two, or whatever. Or he'll shot. just say, "Well, <laughs> hey, there we go. That's enough." Yeah, it's it's po- it's possible, and and I, and this is one thing that I'll say about Tesla because everyone seems to get the impression that I'm very bearish on Tesla as a business, and it's very hard to explain to people that you have to separate the stock from the business and we can see that tesla is at least going to do some things extremely well and like you say there's a lot of there's a lot of promises in there and there's a lot of things that have to go perfectly right for it to justify its current price and then obviously you've got other people suggesting three trillion four trillion by 2025 and then 10 trillion by 2030 and so buy it now because tesla is extremely cheap uh and that is so confusing and really hard you you have to have an almost biblical belief in the stock to really have to pay those prices right now and i'm not sure i can but what i will say to you is that i don't even if i do believe that the price is going to come down to whatever level and i'm only happy to pay for tesla at 200 dollars or something like that I, the price i really put on it was around that 200 dollar mark at the moment even if i do see it that way what i'm really saying is i can wait I can wait for the earnings to start to come up. I can I can wait for the car sales to come up. I can wait for FSD to start showing some promise. I can wait for solar panels on roofs to start happening. I can wait for battery, uh, big massive battery like products that are going to power cities. I can wait for all these things to happen before I invest in them because the truth is is even if they get that good take google for example take amazon for example fair enough you're gonna miss out on the thousand percent that amazon went up but it's still making so much money and it's still making so much in the stock market as well so personally i can wait i can just i'm happy to just get 200 percent on tesla like in a couple of years and i feel like you're de-risking yourself by waiting for those earnings to come up and for those earnings to be real let's let's face it tesla had 200 um i'm going off the top of my head here so sorry to anybody who actually knows the numbers but i believe it's about 200 million in bitcoin um and the other 200 million was in green credits that's that was their profit otherwise they would have made a loss not if that's roughly right i'm sure it's somewhere right um so it's it's gone back into negative negative earnings again and that seems like a risk to me and then elon himself the manager just at the moment just seems like this megalomaniac who doesn't want to be wrong in my opinion is that you know this whole bitcoin thing i don't know how much you guys know about the whole bitcoin thing uh well how much i I know about the whole Sorry, go on, Steve. I was going to say, I I feel like it's only really 
that I feel like he's been distracted. I think that's what that's the words I would say is that he's got so much other stuff going on at the moment. He seems sort of both irritable and distracted, and I think that's kind of dangerous for somebody like Elon, who you know he seems like he's the sort of person who can just go bollocks. I'm going to go make rockets now. The cars can do whatever, and that's dangerous to be a shareholder. I think I agree with that. That, it, I mean, that the is the concern I have with Elon mm. is he does have a bad record of telling porkies quite a lot. Hmm. Um, like saying he's got funding secure to take Tesla private when he hasn't um, and various things along those kind of lines. So I'm never really sure quite which way round Elon sees anything. And being that kind of unaware of what's going on in the head of the... Um, oh, what is he? Um, what's his Techno title now, King. somebody? Is it Techno King? Oh, Techno King, thank you. Yeah, Techno uh, King. Of the company. Um, I worry about kind of I worry about how badly I would understand that kind of thing, and that that concerns me quite a bit. Yeah, on the whole Bitcoin thing, you can see that you can take it from two two angles, and I'm not entirely sure which angle it is, and I don't think anybody is. But he either does understand what he's doing with this whole Bitcoin thing, and a lot of the cult would say that you know you just don't understand him. That I get that a lot. You don't understand him. And I look at these people and think, he's not like a pop star. He's not, you know, it's, it's, it's like they're talking about Harry Styles or something. He's, they're teenage girls and they come over and say, oh, you don't understand what he's thinking. He's, I know everything about him. And if you take that point of view, then I think what those people are believing right now is that he's trying to manipulate the price downwards so they can buy more of it and eventually it goes up. And then... Obviously, he's got these developers in Dogecoin. That, like, it, it, there would be a lot of different changes that would need to be made to the coin for that to work. Um, but on the other hand, you've got the idea that he didn't understand what he got into. He didn't realize that it took a ridiculous amount of energy to power the Bitcoin network. And maybe he just overthought it and now he's sort of backtracking you've got these two things and i don't know which one to believe i'm trying to stay right out of it and stay in my own lane and i think that's what you've got to do sometimes but like you say if a lot of if a lot of pressure goes on to elon and a lot of negativity goes towards it he may just throw his toys out the pram and just go you know what fuck it i've got spaceships to build over here i'm going to mars uh, Tesla can do its thing. I'll keep my shares in Tesla. Um, they don't need. Ultimately, maybe they don't need them anymore as well. Let's got, let's remember that Tesla might not need the Elon Musk anymore because everything and the business plan and the the trajectory of Tesla right now is pretty much all there. It, it's all in place. He's done his bit. Uh, what happens to Tesla if Elon leaves? What would happen? Nothing. Probably. Nothing. No, you, I would imagine so, that the vast majority of the stuff now is not touched by his hand. Mm-hmm. I would like to think so as well. Other than he's like a front front piece now. Well, what would happen to the stock then? Yeah, I think you'd lose some points on the stock. I think he yeah. is he is intrinsically tied to the stock. Whether he is actually tied to the businesses is a different query. That's the, and yeah, that so that's a, a kind of... beautiful, yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting it, in my opinion. I think that Elon Musk is now less about the business of Tesla, and much more about the stock price of Tesla now, and hmm. that's scary to be really. We'll move on to another thirteen F because another thirteen F came out this week. Uh, it's Berkshire Hathaway again. We'll always talk about Warren Buffett, see what he's doing, even though he's underperforming the market over the past ten years. Blah blah blah. What's been going on then? What did... Because I, I know he had something in Merck, but what other big things were there for Berkshire Hathaway this week? Berkshire Hathaway is making its way out of Wells Fargo by the look of it. They appear to have sold about 98% of their Wells Fargo holding. Uh, and Warren Buffett in particular has always talked warmly about Wells Fargo, in particular when they were under pressure um, for fake account scandals and so on. He's spoken um, strongly about the kind of nature of banks in general. And uh, in particular, the manager, I think it's Charlie Scharf at uh, Wells Fargo. 
Interestingly, the Daily Journal, I think, has left its stake in Wells Fargo, which is not a big stake, so Charlie Munger's uh, company, uh, pretty much intact and hasn't been interested in selling them at all, um, which I suppose is an interesting thing to look at. I mean, when I kind of got into investing, I sort of saw Wells Fargo and basically associated it with um, Berkshire. It seemed that every interview Warren Buffett was giving was sticking up for them one way or another Mm. and saying, yeah, sure, they did stupid things, but they're a really good business and they're going to come through this really well. Um, and then kind of selling things all over the place uh, quietly, um, which is interesting, I guess. Uh, there's always elements of, with these things, it reminds me that you need to watch what people are doing, not what people are saying. And that's why mm. we find the 13Fs really interesting because, okay, they're not up to date, right? We're looking at about a six-week delay before we get a 13F that shows us what was happening at the end of March. But um, it's always interesting to just try and tie up the kind of comments to the actions that are going on there they've also cut their stake in chevron in half which feels like they've had it for about two minutes or so Hmm. uh, because they spent a while hiding that while they were acquiring a stake i think and have decided that actually we don't want half of that anymore uh which is bewildering to me i found this out this morning and i haven't had enough time to work out what on earth i think about that yet I think the same could be said for Berkshire about some of Ark's moves recently, and they just seem really strange. Um, Ark are moving into companies like Bristol Myers Squibb and, and into companies like Roche that we we all like here and we all think are great businesses, and then a couple of weeks later they're, they're out of them, and then Buffett's moving out of Wells Fargo, something he's held for a relatively short period of time, but then he's moving out of Chevron, which is something he's held for a matter of months maybe half 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 a year at the west i would imagine so it feels like everybody is just trying to build up a little cash pile at the moment which could be the reason mm. that all of these things are going but Berkshire already has a little cash pile um so it seems a really bizarre move you mentioned arc steve is there anything else they've been selling that's caught your eye <laughs> <laughs> they've been selling <laughs> everything <laughs> they've been selling not only everything but the one that jumped out at me the most was the horse <laughs> <laughs> the, it's, is it sold gone. out of yeah go on I think so yeah I think it's almost all gone I noticed that there was I mean when Warecross was going through the um, through the, the well the, when it lost the contract and it went to nothing um Art kept buying and they bought more and more and more each day and now it's like they've only just realised the bad news and they've gone, oh no, we've got we've got to sell this, but it just doesn't seem to make any sense. They've they've they must have lost a mountain on it. It's it's un it's unbelievable because I'm seeing this. I, I like you guys. You probably look at the daily arc feed, and there's a couple of trends in there that just really do stand out. One of them is workhorse. Every oh god, I can't believe how how much we just saw for the past year people banging on about fucking workhorse, and we Poppy all knew that poppycock workhorse. Yeah, uh, we all knew about we all knew what was going to happen uh, to a point. We we all knew that there was a fifty fifty breaking point, and if it went really well, it was going to go amazingly, but if it went badly and they didn't get the deal, we knew where this stock was going to go. And now, and that's what's strange to me is all those big, you know, let's start with the YouTubers who it all went wrong. So they all sold out of the bottom or pretty much all of them, as far as I can tell. And then now Kathy Wood's doing it as well. And she was pushing it. She was pushing workhorse. She was getting right, right behind it. And now she, they're all selling out of it. And I don't understand because it's i mean it's a reasonable business idea it seemed quite a strong business idea uh really poor cash runway as as i remember Ugh. and and then then there's other ones as well which i've seen where they've been buying them at quite quite big highs i think paypal she's been selling out of even square i think they've sold a bit of um and these just and they they're selling them on the on the dip that's that's uh, someone will someone will go at me and find a date where they bought it in the dip, but the dip keeps on dipping, and there seems to be little cells of really quite high conviction picks. And 
it's so confusing. And let's go back to buff as well. Buffs are really confusing because you used to be able to tell what buff had in his 13F. You used to be able to go, okay, it's been the same for the past hundred years or whatever, you know, and then there's little ones, you know, that keep getting added. But what isn't normal for Berkshire Hathaway is that they, these, these companies are getting added, but in a couple of months they're getting sold. So Chevron's one of them. I think he sold out of 30% of Merck the other day as well. Mm -hmm. And, what <laughs> i thought he was the buy buy and hold long term buy wonderful businesses wait compound blah 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 what's going on do you know i uh, here's a theory for you then i think buff's just buying something because if he doesn't buy something people whinge at him so i think yeah. he's just a small amount in this and a small amount in that so it looks like he still cares but what he's really waiting for is that huge 50 percent correction when he can just go around and buy the stuff he actually wants to buy probably like Google yeah. and Amazon or something but yeah agreed and and it's worth actually saying in the in the um event in the shareholder meeting he actually said he didn't think his cash position was big at all and he wanted it much much bigger he wanted it I I don't know what it is right now it's is it still 150 billion Steve W you've got to know that slightly higher than that but yeah that sort of area yeah he he said he wanted it over 200 billion i think or at least hinted that he wanted it that high so they're waiting for something ain't they they're waiting for something big and that's quite quite scary would does that change when you see arc invest like start to pile up pile up some cash i think even chamath's piling up some cash and then you've got people sort of uh people shorting so we can go into cyan capital shorting certain stocks should we be getting scared here? Should we be thinking, maybe, oh, should we do the same? Maybe if inflation gets really bad, Buffett could use that $200 billion to buy himself a loaf of bread. <laughs> It'll be the only person with any bread by the end of it, by the sound of it, if that's how much it gets to. <laughs> Has he been buying anything else? Yeah. Anything else that he bought? Yeah, loads more Kroger, basically. He loves that company. Uh, it's on a price earnings of Kroger, about 11 or so. Um, it's a supermarket and in fairness I think it might be a case of I I might have missed this a little bit but everyone's been beaten up on retail everyone's been beaten up on supermarkets it looks like Walmart's the obvious kind of big player here if you think there's room for two you might be priced to have a go with Kroger I feel like that's the way Buffett's thinking he doesn't tend towards thinking that people change their habits that much I mean he's probably minded towards thinking the the kind of things that uh, Scott Galloway talk about, the kind of zero-click ordering from Amazon and your groceries kind of pitch up and you send them back the ones you don't want or something. I reckon Buff's thinking that maybe that will come. But in fairness, one of the things he said at the shareholder meeting is the kind of three businesses he started out with, so uh, blue chip stamps, a textile mill, and another one, and they all went bust, but a lot of good things happened before they went bust. And he's okay with the idea that there might be businesses that are sort of in secular decline, I guess, if the market's already kind of overreacted and panicked and decided, well, that's dead, uh, and he thinks there's enough still left in that for it to be worth it, uh, I think he's happy enough having a go here. And I'm not saying Kroger's dead by any means, but it is very much kind of out of fashion mm. and out of favour at the moment, that kind of sector. You, you can see that in the pandemic, okay? You can see e-commerce adoption since e-commerce started is very steady. It's only a percent or two percent a year. And then we get to the pandemic and it shoots up. 15 i think it's 15 or 20 percent and that'll either revert back to the mean or it will continue and if your bet is that it reverts back to the mean then your krogers and your walmarts and well walmart to a lesser degree because they've got a lot of online business but your krogers and your home depots and and your ollie's bargain outlets all those sort of companies hey. they will do they will do really well yeah how I is all these doing just out of was... sorry <laughs> Uh, Ollie's right. is about $85, I think. I, I've sold it. I sold it at one twenty something. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was just Yeah, I just realised that wasn't the answer that... I was supposed to give to Paul when he asked what else Berkshire had been buying. They've also been buying Verizon, which is a company <laughs> that they had got quite a large stake in a bit. Uh, they've added sort of 8 or so percent to that. Um, now that Verizon has a bigger dividend yield than AT&T will, uh, kind of in the future, because the AT&T dividend is apparently getting uh, lowered, um, do you think, Paul, that this might be something that attracts you? A nice a nice four and a bit percent yield as opposed to what's going to be a three and a bit percent yield? 
Okay, so AT&T, right, the news today, it, it's, it is today, isn't it, because it's coming over the weekend. AT&T yep. uh, is going to spin off its Warner Media business. The whole part of AT&T that is the growth business of, of AT&T is being spun out, and it's being put with Discovery, uh, <laughs> which... Uh, You've got to decide whether that's a good thing as well. There's, there is so much to impact to impact with AT and T at the moment, and overall, I think I've decided it's okay. But it is there is so much uncertainty right now that is is really scary, and I understand that. I totally understand that. Dividend yield wise, I'm not bothered by the dividend yields at all. Um, there's a lot to I wouldn't know where to start with AT&T right off the top of my head right now, other than, okay, let's start with the dividend as uh, and the financial situation right now. So it's going to have a 40% ca uh, price to cash flow, price to free cash flow payout ratio, which is lower than what it is right now. I believe it's about 63 uh, at the moment. That's probably not right, actually. And so... They're going to improve their cash position, but they're going to improve that cash position by unloading debt onto Warner Media, which should it shouldn't really have that. It's, it would be very helpful not to have that to help it grow. Now, starting with AT and T as the business as you'll have it at the time, because what's going to happen for shareholders is that the new business, whatever it's called, it's probably going to be called. I'm going to guess at Warner Discovery. That's what I'm going to guess it's going to be go called. Discover Beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Warner Discovery. Or it could just go to Time. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter. Um, so 70, 77% ownership goes to AT&T shareholders. So we're going to get whatever out of, uh, out of the new company. I don't know how Trading 212 is going to handle that. Uh, historically, I believe, you you guys Holy. will know better than I do. Yeah, historically, I believe you're just going to get a cash sum, which isn't ideal, yeah. and that's a bad that's a bad thing for me. Uh, when does it happen? I wanted to... Uh, there's no, there's so much more coming out over the week. I think uh, that's going to happen. Well, just, just to say, I think on the thirtieth of June, uh, Trading Two and Two will be in, implementing a fix on spinouts, and you'll get the shares instead of cash. Oh well, let's fucking hope it happens after then, because <laughs> that, that oh God, yeah, <laughs> stop, stop swearing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, so, you, so AT&T shareholders are going to get a shares in this in this new company, and hopefully, Trading Two One Two by then will be able to sort out its uh, spin-off system. If it doesn't, that leaves me in quite a bad position, I think, with AT&T. And that I think I personally, I know you're you're going to probably argue differently. And I actually did just catch like five minutes of Joseph Carlson's video. Um, a couple of minutes ago, and he has a total. He came to a totally different conclusion to what I did, but maybe he came to that conclusion because he had his finger on the sell button anyway. I think, um, and he also saw the news and clicked sell immediately. I saw the news and went, "Okay, I'm going to think through this and really think and consider if this has really changed my business." Because ultimately. What you need to know is what's changing the business. And as far as I know, there's two things that are about to change. First is the dividend yield. So the dividend yield is going to go down. Share price is going to go down, most likely, at least in the short term. And you've got to decide whether AT&T is now a better business because of that. It's. I personally don't think it's going to deleverage as much as they say they are because I I've never been bothered by AT and T's debt. I think it's a quite a high cash flow business. It's got a very strong uh, amount of operational cash that comes in. So AT and T's actual business should be fine, leveraged or deleveraged. It'd be nice for them to do that. So what are they going to spend the money on? And I personally think that they've got much more of a shot now at beating Verizon at its own game. And if Verizon's 
own game was to leverage more and buy more c-band and same as t-mobile t-mobile is in exactly the same position at&t now has 43 billion to make itself the number one telco business and 5g business let's make that make that more accessible here and say this is now a 5g business and it's a recurring revenue 5g business and John Stanky should be going out there to every meeting and he should be saying, hi, I'm John Stanky from AT&T. I own the biggest recurring revenue business in the world. And I think I've stolen that off Scott Galloway. But um, yeah. that's what he should be saying. He should be, he should be saying that and that should be AT&T's narrative going forward. So there are positives and I'm putting quite a positive spin on this because you guys can come up with the negatives. You can see the negatives that most people are in AT&T because of the dividend yield or something like that. Have you got anything else? AT&T specifically. I think that summarizes it quite well. Um, I think it will be interesting. I mean, so a lot of what I've been watching and people who own AT&T are YouTubers who enjoy telling us that they don't uh, own AT&T for the yield. I believe it in your case, Paul. Um, I rather doubt it in several other cases. I mean, it feels to me like a lot of the kind of YouTube dividend investing community basically looks at a yield, chases a yield, and then finds a story to justify chasing that company when really the reason they bought it was the yield. But actually will say a bunch of other stuff instead and say, look, here's what it is. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how many retail people move out of that. I'm not saying that will have a big impact on the share price. right? I don't think this is a company that's sort of 90% owned by kind of retail individuals like um you or me or anyone like that mm. it's not anything owned by me but you get the thought um so i'll be interested to see how it kind of goes in the sort of circles that we tend to inhabit in a certain way with people looking at it and thinking about it and um people who perhaps thought yeah i like that dividend but i hadn't better tell people that i'm just buying it for the dividend because you're not really meant to do that so i better try and come up with some sort of reason mm, something something 5g something um there you are uh there's my kind of reason actually i don't like it anymore goodbye um so i don't i don't follow at&t so it's difficult for me to comment with anything but the only bit of flavor that i got from it was that they're happy to spin out hbo and warner media whatever but they're not taking any ownership of it they're literally spinning out with zero ownership so they're sending it with four times the debt of Netflix to Discovery and they don't want any part of it, which makes me worry about the business they're spinning out. The business they have is fine and will be fine. The business they've sent out is crippled and is now showing that the parent company doesn't really believe in it. So, yes, this is this is something I'm... Uh, there's a... The things that you've just said there are two things that do worry me. So the first one was market psychology on this. Um, how many people are actually income investors that are only in ATC for the income? How many of them are pensions? How many of them are just idiots who look at lead, uh, yield? That is a worry. And how... What, you, what I've got to consider going forward now is the psychology of the market and how badly that's going to cr that's going to cause a chronic share price drop in AT&T and particularly with AT&T I'm willing to look at that I have quite a bit of my portfolio invested in it but I believe that my portfolio is quite well diversified so I'm actually looking at it and I've sat through it today and I've gone okay I've got about 1500 in AT&T is that a lot to lose in the long term probably not um am I going to buy more Oh, that's, that's hard because of uncertainty more than anything not because i think the businesses are bad inherently at the moment but there's the uncertainty is going to certainly create some sort of volatility in that in that share price so that's something that i have considered now when you move on to warner media it's interesting isn't it it's interesting to think that at&t were willing to just let it go and sell it for half of what they think it's worth and what's you know what's so much worse is that they what they did to Jason Keeler uh, um 
he is such an asset in this. He's been such a driving force. You know, his history with Hulu. He's been he's been creating Warner Media into what it is. He and he's been working so hard on HBO HBO Max and stuff. And they were happy to just, you know, kick it like kick him out basically. Um, as I don't I don't know how I don't know if they've actually fired him or anything. Have they? I, I the last I heard the last news article I read was that he was. Uh, he was getting a bunch of lawyers because he didn't know about the deal and now he wants out. That was the last information that I got. If if you know anything more, I, uh, I haven't got there yet. Um, so that's a that's a big problem that they that they wanted to axe Jason Keeler because he was he knows exactly what this is all about and it's going to the guy from Discovery. And now what we have to get to is what's Discovery because Discovery is notably at a was a really low PE. It's been, it's actually quite a value investing favorite at the moment. I believe that a lot of the value investors have been looking at discovery and thinking, okay, it went down with Archegos, so it should be at a really good price right now. And okay, so that's a that's a really good price. Was it a good business? Because it is a big content. It's a big content provider. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go into way too much detail here. I think that's interesting for a podcast. Um, so, but I think it's it's a good content provider. But it's the content that it's got is like the Food Network and mm-hmm. like uh, E Entertainment or something like that, or it's equivalent or it's cheap ass equivalent of E Entertainment, things like that. You know, really crap TV, like TV that people stick on and put it in the background, and, uh, and it's just there to fry your brain. So I'm not sure about the quality of bringing something like Discovery together with HBO, with the quality that HBO is going to bring. And then, like you say, we're going to add four. uh, So the calculation that I've made is that it's 43 billion of debt plus 15 of debt that Discovery has. So you're coming at around 55 billion because some of it's cash as well. So it's, I think it's something like 55 to 57 billion that it's gonna end up with in debt. And then I said, I said on the Discord earlier, I went, I, I, I actually put it out there and I didn't know and I should have, should have said it. I just went, yeah, Netflix, that's nowhere near Netflix's debt. And I went and Googled it quickly and I went, oh shit, it's like triple Netflix's yeah. debt. And uh, I hit you with the Marikovic, so, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. That, oh, yes. Yeah, I yeah. I remember that. That was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I remember. I remember that now. And um, yeah. So at that point, I went, ah, oh, shit. This is a problem. That that could be a problem. But then you've got to think of future revenue. Um, what do they need? And uh, it's going to be a forty. I think they're saying by twenty twenty two, it's going to be about forty fifty billion a year in revenue, which isn't bad. That's that's not bad considering that if they do axe all the cable stuff and they you know they they make good business of getting rid of that quite quickly um you you are then going to start being able to pay off that debt quite quickly if if you basically the profit margin of whatever this new company is should be quite good without AT&T uh, it should be whether it is or not whether discovery are good enough because i've never looked into discovery before so i don't know what they're like um yeah sorry i'm going on a bit here but i think i think ultimately what i came down to was that this is good because essentially what you if you bought at&t all you're getting now is the same but in two companies and you get the option now that's what I saw. I saw you get a bit of an option. So you've now been given the option of, well, if you were more into HBO Max, then you get to keep that and sell AT&T. But if you were into AT&T more, then you get to keep that and sell HBO Max. And so there's a bit of an optionality there. But the two things for me mainly that have changed is a dividend cut, obviously. That's going to cause a psychological wretch on the entire company. And then on the on the HBO Max side is that you've lost quite a big leader in there and you've given it to this guy who essentially was owning a failed TV company and he's got to do something good with that and I don't know how good... I, I forgot his name, David Zanishar or something his name was. I haven't quite got there on, on the, the, the head of Discovery, whoever he is. Um, I don't know how good he is, so I've never looked. And 
it's a bit of a shame really that now I've got I've been forced into this choice and finally I guess the biggest problem now is the management because now they're showing how shady they can be you can see that over the past year they've been saying that our cash flow is great our payout ratio is awesome we're never going to cut the dividend it's perfectly fine and then two months later bang I think I've got a video of John Stanky saying I'm never going to cut the dividend and now they've gone and done it in quite a shady way because they've they've kind of mixed it in with this deal so yeah I can see the bad, bad points I can see the good points overall I'm not going to just panic sell out of this and I'm going to consider I'm going to push through the uncertainty that's what I'm going to do go through the uncertainty come out the other end and I'm I think I'm going to manage my risk here or at least consider my risk differently in some way I think there's a lot to it I think there's more information about Warner Media coming out over the next week what the new company is going to be called all of that information and I'm happy to wait that a bit longer so there you go that was my thing there <laughs> I like that. I like the idea that you're going to kind of wait it out a little bit. So I think the market has mainly reacted negatively to this on pretty much both sides so far. Um, and maybe they're right to react negatively for the time being. But I think you're right to not kind of panic sell here. So I probably out of the three of us might be the biggest Warren Buffett fan. And I think a lot about all the stuff that he does. I probably own the most of Berkshire out of any of us. Uh, and I hang on his every word and defend pretty much everything he does just because it's something that he does. But even I, in my kind of deepest heart of hearts, and I understand the principles that cause him to do these things, and I kind of admire him for sticking to his principles, but even I wish sometimes, look, couldn't you just think a little bit about market timing? I know that you don't want to hold on to airlines <laughs> when you don't think they're a good business and the world has changed for them. And I respect the thought of saying, well, look, this is the price. I'm selling it. I don't want this business. Away it goes. But even I kind of think sometimes, couldn't you just have just kept it for a bit uh, and then sold it in a certain way? So I think kind of, I'm not saying he kind of panic sells stuff, but he comes to a view and then sells at whatever the price is. I Even I wish that, oh, maybe this is a something I'm going to regret saying, but even I wish Buffett was just perhaps a little bit more Paul Briscoe and trying to time markets in this kind of way. <laughs> it's so bad like i don't i don't want to think i'm tr timing a market here i think i'm trying to figure out if this business is worth me holding on to for the long term but yeah i think you're trying to it's... get past a panic phase and i think you're right to try and get past a panic phase right so can, yeah. i mean if it's the case that a load of high yield dividend etfs think this yield isn't high enough anymore we got to get rid of this rightly or wrongly but just because that's what they do because they're a certain kind of etf I think you're wise to try and not get yourself caught up in that frenzy, but just wait for a better moment. And if you think the company's not going to be a problem for you for the next um, quarter, year, two years, whatever it is, I'd be perfectly happy sitting on it. So I think I, the I'm share price say, is I, gone. I, 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 I just think I... To buy... <laughs> oh. you, you go, go on, you, you go. go. Oh. I could uh, well, be tempted okay. to buy a. Oh, are you kidding me? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go, Steve, go. You, Steve. I, I, me, me. I could have been tempted to buy AT&T for HBO pre pre this. I, I could have been tempted into that conversation, but post this post this move, I couldn't be tempted into buying um, HBO when it's when it's been spun out on its own or whatever whatever we're going to call it. I won't say it again because I'm still laughing at my own joke. <laughs> but I think I could be tempted to buy AT and T. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting mm. it's an interesting thing. But I think you've got to treat the Warner Brothers spin off or the Warner Warner Brothers bloody hell Warner Media spin off as what it is. It's it's going to be almost like an IPO of sorts. And I think two quarters, see how it performs on its own, then judge it then. I'm I'm actually I've had I've had exactly that same thought that the Warner Media thing coming out is going to be like a mini IPO. It's going to be a full IPO of its own except it's just going to be laden with loads of debt. And um AT&T wise I just need to re rejig what I think about their revenues. That's another thing I've I've got to look at there. Um because they they've had really good prepaid wireless stuff recently we don't know if that's going to continue though um it's actually doing very well off inflation as well which is a surprising thing um so i want to look at that because before that over the past five years it's probably been down one percent 
a year on its revenue. So it's something just got to reconsider maybe. But I do think, like, like I said, I, I think this money will go towards C-band spending rather than debt. I think that's much more important uh, of a way to think about AT&T right now. HBO, I don't know yet. Uncertainty. Too much uncertainty there. But as we know from uncertainty, we lose, we lose share price, especially in the short term. Maybe it's time to be, to be brave. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's time to be stupid. Right. I think we will leave it there. We did have an idea for a question thing, but we'll save that to the next week, I think, is because there's quite a good, few good ones. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Let me know your thoughts on AT&T. Uh, I'm probably going to I'm gonna have to do a video on it at some point. Uh, maybe not this week because I'm running out of time. Um, but yeah, they were, they were my basic first thoughts on AT&T, and I'm probably going to put something much bigger together once we know a little bit more information. Thank you very much again for watching. You can listen to this on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course on the uh, YouTube channel. Let me know what you think. Uh, let, you, let me know what you think of, if we've been too harsh on Elon today. That's going to get a lot of shit, isn't it? Yeah, you, you guys are going to get... In fact, I was the Elon... Poppycock. I was, I was the... Yeah. <laughs> I was the positive here for elon today and you guys are the negative so hopefully you'll get a load of crap from the from the comments this week um thank you very much for watching everyone and we will see you next week i'm amazed how many people own stocks i'm amazed how many people own stocks The sucker's going up.